What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to a special edition of the Mitch Davis Show. It is Friday, January 5th. We have Miss Laura Rutledge on the phone of the SEC Network. She co-hosts the Paul Feinbaum Show. She also does the SEC Network Game Day Show. She does college basketball for the SEC and college football for the SEC, where it's a great honor to have her, and I hope you all enjoy this interview as we talk all things SEC. Looking forward to this. Hope you all enjoy it. We are joined by Miss Laura Rutledge on the phone. Miss Rutledge, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. It's a great honor. So we've got... Yeah, no, this will be fun. <laughs> yes, ma'am. we got a couple questions for you. got about 10 questions for you leading up to the uh, playoff SEC championship, which I know we're both really excited about that. It's a huge game for the SEC. So tell us a little bit of the importance of having an all-SEC national championship game, and do you see the committee expanding that to eight teams now that we have two SEC teams playing? Yeah, you know, first of all, I mean, we've seen this happen in a couple of other college sports over this past year, obviously, with basketball with one, and then the College World Series with LSU and Florida being an all-SEC championship game, and it's just so much fun. I mean, I get it that there are SEC haters out there, and they can't stand it, and, and that's fine, but... Uh, this is earned. You don't get to this point unless you earn it. And I think when you look specifically at this college football playoff and this national championship, I firmly believe that the four best teams were in the playoff. And Alabama had to knock off the number one seed defending national champion in Clemson, who had looked dominant recently, when Alabama, frankly, hadn't. And then Georgia had to somehow defeat the Heisman Trophy winner. So these two teams earned their spot there. And yes, maybe we see the committee look at expanding, but I can tell you, Mitch, they don't want to expand. Uh, Bill Hancock and the College Football Playoff Committee love the fact that it is as exclusive as it is for teams. Now, I could see them maybe laying out some more particular parameters, like maybe conference championships need to matter a little bit more, but if they did, then I believe we wouldn't have had the four best teams this year, and we might have seen more lopsided semifinal matchups. Expansion may be on the horizon eventually, but I don't think they want to do it unless they absolutely have to. And I agree with that. I I think that the committee is just kind of, I mean, Everybody complains, you know, whatever. Oh, it's the SEC again. But the SEC has proven over the years. I mean, we've had nine out of the last 12 years we've had a national champion. And twice since 2012 we've had two teams playing for the national championship. It just kind of proves the level of dominance. I know the SEC was down in bowl games per se, but the level of dominance on the top side of the SEC is unbelievable. Yeah, and that's the one thing. You know, it is a top-heavy league right now with Alabama and Georgia at the top. Auburn, of course, beat both of those teams. You would put them up there, maybe even LSU at times this year, an LSU team that did lose Detroit, but they played a lot of teams tough and did end up with a pretty good record when it's all said and done. But, you know, I think one thing that, that you have to kind of point out is the fact that, you know, yes, the there's an argument out there that the schedule wasn't quite what it should have been. People really made that argument for Alabama, saying that, against Alabama at least, saying that they didn't play anybody and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, they, they did lose to Auburn, but they went on the road against Mississippi State with half of their defense missing. <laughs> that's just a, that's a ballpark. I mean, it, it was probably more than that, you know, really at times during the season. And they were able to get that win, and then, you know, they won the game at Bayard Coast was the semifinal game to advance to the national championship. And then for Georgia, out of conference, you know, they beat Notre Dame on the road. And Notre Dame ended up being one of the better teams in college football this year. I would still say that you know their offensive line and just the way that they ran the ball was, was dynamic this season. So uh, there were some out-of-conference moments for Georgia. And then for Georgia, coming back and beating 
beating an Auburn team that had demolished them just a couple weeks earlier, uh, that was impressive too. So I do think the league is top-heavy, and that's one of the arguments against the SEC, and maybe we see some other leagues that are a little more uh, even throughout. But, you know, at the end of this all, when we all look back on all of this, it doesn't really matter about conferences. And I think that ends up becoming way too much of a point when at the end of the day, it's about these teams, it's about these players. And on any given Saturday, most of these teams could either be knocked off or knock somebody else off. I agree with that. And, you know, that kind of leads us into our next question. What do you think about Kirby Smart, who has turned around a program after two years? And we haven't really seen many uh, ex-Saban assistants do that. What sets Kirby Smart aside from the rest of the uh, ex-Nick Saban protégés who just basically turn around a program within two years, which is impressive? Yeah, it's unreal what he's done. And, and I think in his heart of hearts, if you asked him if he expected this to come when it did, uh, he probably would have said no. But they did have all these seniors coming back. And so Kirby would be the first to give credit to those guys. I mean, if Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and Lorenzo Carter and David Bellamy, all these kids, if they don't decide to come back this year, this team is completely different. I mean, they had an already built-in quarter cornerstone of incredibly talented players that helped them significantly. But you're right, Kirby still had to turn it around himself. And, and he is a little bit different than the former David assistants. And I think one of the reasons why is he actually stays very true to who he is. He does have some saving in it. The way that he organizes his his program, the way that he looks at the little details, the way that he does all of that, that has a Nick Saban feel to it. But there's also a very Kirby Smart stamp on this Georgia program, and that's why, you know, when we see this matchup, everyone's going to make it about, oh, Saban as the mentor against the, you know, mentee. It's some of that, yes, and Kirby will give a ton of credit to Coach Saban, but... They're also very different people, and I think that's what distinguished Kirby Smart from these other assistants. He stayed true to what he believes in and what's been important to him throughout his entire career. Yes, ma'am. How do you see that matchup playing out on Monday night? Oh, my goodness. It's such a good one, isn't it? I mean, it's so (laughs) hard to pick, and I think why is because we're really looking at good on good. So Mm -hmm. what Georgia does really well, Alabama defends really well, and vice versa, and that's so hard uh, to think about trying to decipher how it's going to end up going, but, you know, the one thing that I keep thinking about is the fact that from the quarterback perspective, Jalen Hurts is dynamic with his legs. Now, he was able to complete some passes against Clemson's defense. They were really able to do what they usually can do. That that Clemson D-line is, is dynamo. It's one of the best front fours in the entire country. But credit to Alabama's O-line. Now, Alabama does have an injury on their O-line that's big, uh, Lester Cotton being out. That that hurts them significantly. So if Georgia can somehow get to Jalen Hurts, I think this changes a little bit, forcing him into a situation to throw the ball. He could get uncomfortable. And I really do think this comes down to the quarterbacks. I mean, Jake Fromm on the other side of things probably has not seen a defense quite like this Alabama defense. And in fact, I can pretty much assure you he hasn't seen a defense that played like Alabama's defense played against Clemson last week. So, how does he handle that? No moment's been too big for him, but is this moment going to be too big with them in his face constantly and bringing pressure and forcing him into mistakes? That would be where I would say, you know, really this game will be decided. And, and I do think that it will come down to the wire, and so it may be just one of those small mistakes in the red zone or something like that that ends up factoring into deciding the ultimate outcome. I, I agree with that, and, and you know, I think a lot of people, in, you know, tend to kind of forget that Jake Fromm's only a freshman. 
which is unreal. I mean, this guy's this guy's a freshman. He won the Rose Bowl, beat the Heisman contender, whatever, and now he's playing for a national championship. And he's only a freshman, which is awesome, you know. Yeah, he's unreal. I mean, that kid is like the MVP sneakily of college football this year because uh, to come in and do what he's done. And by the way, if Jacob Eason hadn't gotten hurt, I mean, who knows that they would have even made this change if Jacob Eason was sort of getting the job done. And, you know, and, and Jacob Eason has an incredible arm. That's one thing about this game, too, that's kind of fascinating. Both of these teams have very talented backup quarterback. Tua Tonga Bailoa, the same thing for Alabama, who I watched in practice all week at the Sugar Bowl, and my goodness, can he throw the ball like no tomorrow. So you think about, you know, God forbid something happens to somebody, uh, and you hope it doesn't happen, but if somebody's struggling, they do have very viable options to go to on both sides. Yes, ma'am. And so that kind of leads into our little bit of a next question. It's kind of a fun question. What are your thoughts on UCF claiming the national championship? Oh my goodness! I think it's sort of stupid. Uh, <laughs> at this point, like, I, don't, I get why they're doing it, and, and I tell them a lot of group of teams football when I do something. I football on ESPN, and so I understand that the level of pride that some of these teams have, and and I think that part is. I mean, you know, these kids what they accomplished this year at UCF is incredible, and they did it. And then of course, you know, obviously Scott Frost determined that he would be able to still be a part of coaching in the bowl game, and and so. Fine, like I get that, but I do think this has become a little bit ridiculous. But one thing that I do, I do keep going back to is the fact that we're all still talking about UCF. We would not be talking about UCF if they weren't doing this. So in a way, I think it's working for them, and it all comes back to recruiting and getting your name out there, and that's a big part of what they do. So good for them for that because they've succeeded in a big way in that in that area. Yeah, so so a little bit back to, I kind of agree with you, by the way, on the UCF thing. I think it's kind of ridiculous, but it's also funny at the same time to watch them on Twitter or, well, you know, watch their message boards, whatever, kind of just spazzing out about going 13-0 or whatever and beating a decent Auburn team. So next question up, we got, uh, you know, in honor of the championship game, what is your favorite Nick Saban and Kirby Smart memory? Oh, this is good. Um, okay, my favorite Nick Saban memory uh, would have to be, oh, I'm trying to think. I have so many good ones. He is such a funny guy. People don't realize how funny he is. Uh, I think it would probably be at the Sugar Bowl last week. Uh, when we got there, we were interviewing him uh, right off the plane. They had just landed. And we were kind of talking before we got the camera going. And I said, well, Coach, you know, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And, and he said, well... I got the same three pairs of socks that I get every year. So, yeah, I guess so. And, you know, I mean, if that is a Nick Saban, I don't know what is. Because he's just so uh, a man of his own method, and it's all about the process, and it's even a process for his uh, Christmas gift. So I'm sure Miss Perry was probably like, oh, why would you tell people that? But anyway, that, that's what that was a good uh, Nick Saban memory. And I think, you know, one of my favorite Kirby Smart memories, and this is just to me, so Kirby, this is kind of how he is and, and why his personality is so infectious and, and it attracts a lot of great recruits. Uh, he was he came on our SEC Nation set this year and he had these shirts that were uh, junkyard dog shirts. And, you know, that's a big part of Georgia defense over the years. And, of course, he was a part of that as well, just that scrappiness, that, that will to win. And he brought all of us junkyard dog shirts. And, of course, he was passing them out to – me and Tim Tebow, and we both went to Florida, so 
uh, that was, <laughs> he was giving us a hard time because, you know, he's like, oh, these gators are going to put on this, this junkyard dog shirt. But I put it on, and it was a great shirt. So, yeah, those two guys are a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so what is your what is your favorite SEC town to visit and why? You can do football and basketball-wise as well. Oh, man. You know, I would say Nashville, but I don't think Nashville counts. So I always take that one out because Nashville's just a really cool city kind of in and of itself. So you, you can't really count it. Um, I, I think my favorite city is Baton Rouge, actually. And just the, the hospitality and the incredible food, and I'm really big on food. So uh, wherever I can get the best food is really most important to me. And, and usually that happens there in Baton Rouge. So. Oh, that was... I'm there over the last few years. Yes, ma'am. And, um, you know, one of my favorites is Oxford. I love Oxford. I haven't had a chance to go to Baton Rouge yet, but I'm looking forward to going down there, hopefully next football season. One of my favorites is Baton or Oxford. I mean, Oxford's such a cool place as well with the food and the, you know, and all the people. Oh, yeah. So what is it's it? It's hard to choose. We've got some good times in this. We really do. We I, I absolutely love pretty much everywhere I get to go, you know. Like you said, Nashville just kind of doesn't count just because it's kind of a cool city as its own. But, you know, you go to Lexington, you go to Knoxville, you know, you go to uh, Oxford, Mississippi State. They're all cool in their own little unique way. So what's it, what, what's it like working beside Paul Feinbaum? And what is your favorite memory of Feinbaum and Tim Tebow? Because we have a lot of Tim Tebow fans on the, on the show. Yeah, those guys are the best. I mean, they're, they're just so much fun and you never know what's going to happen. You never know what they're going to say. And it just, it's just been a blast to be able to work with them this year. And, um, you know, Paul, I have so many stories about Paul. I didn't know where to start. But I think one of my favorite ones was uh, this year we were at Mississippi State, and Paul and I had a flight to catch right after the show that absolutely uh, couldn't miss get to another show that particular weekend. And so we were kind of scrambling, trying to get out of there, and there was a parking arcade that, you know, needed to be moved to let us through. And so, you know, we were trying to get somebody's attention, and nobody would move it, and we were like, oh, no. And, and the, the parking people were doing their job, but they were very serious about not letting us through. So finally, Paul got out of the car and moved the barricade himself. And, you know, we know that Paul is a very small man, um, and he found the strength and moved that thing. And while he was very angrily walking back to the car, they just moved it back. <laughs> so he got back to the car and he's like, oh no! <laughs> and he tried to start the process. So at the time, it was not that funny, but later on, we got a pretty good kick out of that. Um, and you know, with Tim, it's like, Tim, uh, everyone knows kind of what he stands for and what he's on the boat, and he just has his faith out there in such a beautiful way, I think, and uh, we've had so much fun together just, uh, you know, laughing about things, but also watching the way that he affects people, I think, has been really interesting for me, and that's one of my favorite things about him. He always takes time with people, and, um, you know, he really does mean the world to a lot of people, so he's very special in that way, and, and also finds a good way to have fun in and around all of that, too. Yes, ma'am. And I, I love that about Paul Feinbaum because, you know, you would never think that he could move a big barricade. But that's awesome. I, I love that story. So, lastly, what are you going, What are you most looking forward to going into the 2018 season, you know, with spring football and into next fall as well? 
Yeah, man, there's so much. Um, I think when we've seen so many new head coaches coming into the SEC, this is going to be a fascinating spring and even a fascinating SEC media day. If you think about how different SEC media days is going to look this year, and spring football will be our chance to really see kind of the imprint that these new coaches have brought to their program. So you think about Jimbo Fisher, obviously Dan Mullen at Florida, um, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. I mean, the list goes on and on of all these new head coaches that are going to be so integral in what I think will be a new wave of really getting kind of the teams that have sort of been middle tier and not as consistent a lot better in the SEC with strengthens the conference and strengthens college football as a whole. It's better for everybody if teams in one conference continue to get better uh, and then they play other teams around the country. So to me, that, that's going to be what I'm looking forward to most. And I really think we're going to we're going to see the changes pretty early on. I mean, I think, you know, Jeremy Pruitt is uh, coaching a national championship game, and then he'll immediately head there to Tennessee. He told me that his wife has already bought him a closet full of Tennessee gear. Obviously, he can't wear it just yet, but he has that Tennessee gear waiting on standby. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that Coach Pruitt hires an interesting hire. Kind of, that's going to be our last question. What do you think, how do you think Coach Pruitt will do at UT? I think he'll do great, um, and it begs the question to me of why did they not just hire him first? You know, why was he sort of down the down the road and after a whole topsy turvy war He would have been a great target from the get go, um, and I'm glad for Tennessee that they ended up with him because I think things could have been much worse. And I love Jeremy Pruitt, and I think this is a great hire. I think he brings a little bit of a Nick Saban vibe. And, you know, we talked to him uh, in New Orleans, and he was kind of mentioning how he will take a lot of Coach Saban with him. But remember, he also worked with Mark Rick. So he's got a little bit of the Mark Rick ties, you know, a little bit of the Jimbo Fisher, which kind of comes from Coach Saban. So just all of that stuff. And and Jimbo obviously comes from Bowden, too. So there's just so many ties in this this incredible coaching tree that Nick Saban is affiliated with, but also that some others are affiliated with, too. And I think Jeremy Pruitt has kind of the best of all worlds from that standpoint. He's going to bring a lot of that to the table. So um, I'm excited to watch him. I think kids that are already there should be excited about him, who already are on that team. And then recruits down the road, I believe, will want to go play for him. Yes, ma'am. Well, we greatly appreciate you joining the show, Ms. Relich. It's been a great honor. You're welcome anytime you want to come on the show. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.